sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, Michael Howard. Guys, I gotta say this. Um, it's been a minute since we've done this show. I think about two months solid. Maybe four. <laughs> maybe four months. Um, have we had two episodes come out in the last month? Yes. Yes. Have we recorded any time ever no no yeah no Mm -mm. so we got the intro in one and that's promising to me because we normally don't do that even when we were recording like regularly and i'm jack bauer super fan curtis howard (laughs) did you call me a dragon i said curtis howard (laughs) oh i said jimmy jimmy kraken okay that's how i was just wondering like how'd i make that that word otherwise (laughs) we got all the wires crossed well fellas (laughs) It's been a minute since we've talked on this show. Obviously, we've had plenty of wheelings no, and dealings. No, nothing happened. No. <laughs> well, nothing that Curtis remembers happened. Um, but we spoke on our sister show, Trends in Low Places. Um, but guys, welcome back to the wonderful, murderous world of Jack Bauer. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. He uh, did some things. This he week, did. He's in a bit of hot water, I would say. Yeah. Things, things are heating up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fiery situation. <laughs> well, uh, so if you'll recall from the last episode, which you may not recall because, again, we did watch it in November, I think. <laughs> We're doing flashback um, right now? I'm going to walk us through the last episode because... So we it is day two, hour nine. Oh, did I say that? I didn't say it day two, hour nine. We got to do the whole well, thing, thing again. Oh, sorry. No, no. Dang. No. Well, they can, it's they can they can have that. Okay. It's it's hour 9 of the second longest day of Jack's life. It is 4 <laughs> p.m. in the 3 o'clock hour. Some uh, shit went down. Um Kim Bauer and her boyfriend Miguel were taken into custody for the apparent murder murder of Carla Matheson, uh the mother of the small child Megan that Kim and, and Miguel were watching. Uh in custody, Kim spilled the big bad nuclear beans, and mm. there was a imminent threat to the city of Los she, Angeles. She <laughs> held those beans for as long as she could, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Until she got into trouble. You mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until press. Well, that's good for Kim, though. That's good. In- until met with the lightest resistance, <laughs> and then she gave up those beans. Um, so Kate Warner, daughter of Bob Warner, the uh, president and CEO of Warner Enterprises, uh, and her private investigator were investigating connections between her father, Bob, and Syed Ali, a known terrorist financier. Um, and they found a file that uh, started to delete itself. And uh, then that brought the attention of some unwanted guests at the end of the episode. They were kidnapped. Paul got his face knocked in and Kate was uh, injected with some sort of agent. Um, Bob, on the other hand, told uh, Tony Almeida at CTU that he was a CIA sort of freelancer. Then that the CIA used used his company to pass information back and forth through overseas parties. Um, okay, I have a question about that. Yes. If y'all had a business and the CIA came to you, would they even have to finish the statement, would you like to 
do something for the CIA before you'd be like, fuck yes. Dude, I would get an email yeah. from like a random email address. Be like, hello, my uncle was killed in Nigeria. I am representing the CIA. I would like to funnel his fortune through your company. I was like, yeah, yes, please, please sign me up. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about that life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be in there. Hey, fellas, when do I get to go to the farm, though? Yeah. You told me I was going to work for the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen movies and I'm pretty good with a paintball gun. So <laughs> let's do this thing. I have my own newspaper with uh, holes cut out for my eyes to look through and watch people. So <laughs> I would have a business card that said Agent Perry. Like, and they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Hey, man, you know, you, we can all dream, can't we? Super secret special agent. I've been preparing for this day my entire life, mostly by watching movies and concocting daydreams of me fighting off terrorists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very good at that. Mission Impossible is my favorite movie. Don't worry. I got this. I got it. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Nina Myers and Jack Bauer are flying back to, at this point, San Diego uh, with the terrorist Mahmoud Fahin, who has information directly related to Syed Ali and the bomb in L.A. And... Before Jack can really get any information, Nina was whispering with Mahmoud Fahin while Jack is on the phone with Kim whining about her stupid legal problems, murder. Um, <laughs> and Nina leans across the aisle on the plane and slits Mahmoud's throat. He dies. And just before Jack can interrogate her and find out what Mahmoud said, we hear the very apparent sound of a surface-to-air missile approaching the plane and then shooting it out of the sky, and we open up. It is 4 p.m. Hmm. Shit is real. And also, I forgot to say another subplot, that, um, and we open up with the reporter, Ron Wheland, who... Wheland! Wheland. We say <laughs> Wyland a lot on this show, but yeah. I think it's Wheland. Um, is it not so- Wayland from Wayland yutani Group? <laughs> Wayland Jennings, Ron. <laughs> Um, Is so, it not Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots? Wow. He's dead. What? Yeah. Hmm. He's mega dead, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But he wasn't in 2002. He actually might have been. I don't know what that... <laughs> uh, anyway, it's 4.02. We open up and we see Ron Whelan, the uh, journalist who David had illegally detained in the NROC. There the, was uh, precedent, Kush. Yeah, we we hear all about that precedent. No one's actually mentioned it. Um, so Ron is on TV uh, talking to, again, other reporters not on his network, which is Fox. Uh, <laughs> I think the TV is tuned to CNB, which is a fun one. Um, and so he's telling reporters that he was illegally detained for the last six hours and that this administration is uh, blah, blah, blah. So Ron had previously escaped custody under mysterious circumstances to tell the world that the president is aware of a threat against the United States and is doing nothing about it. Um, so we see him on TV and uh, we see that Sherry Palmer, the president's ex-wife, is watching that and yelling at someone on the phone named Karen to find out who Whelan's source is within the administration. And um, suddenly David Palmer barges in and accuses of accuses Sherry, like we thought, of having Whelan released. Yeah, she she does a pretty good job of pretending she doesn't know shit, but... She's just been so shady. I I can't... I don't know if I believe her. Right. I think... So she says, like, you think it was me? Right. Like, <laughs> the way And the way she says that... But then, then she does something, Curtis, that... I don't know if this changes your mind. I don't know if you believed her well, before. But she she swears on the life of her children. She did. She, did. she brought the kids in. So... Which, but to be fair, I mean, David doesn't give a fuck about kids. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nicole, yes. Oh, oh but Keith? Keith? Well, is he still to- alive? Huh. We saw him. Oh, I mean, I saw him a couple hours ago. I might have drowned him in that lake we were fishing on, but I don't know. Um, but to be fair, I think Palmer, she she swears in the life of Keith Palmer. And I think David wants him alive, but more more important the than that. The freedom, you mean. So yeah, yeah. if you said the freedom of then. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Whatever. Fuck him. House is integrity intact. Cool. I don't give a shit. Um, so... And one, I would say, I would say, like that really seals the deal for me on Sherry. I, I don't. After she said that, I don't think she, she did anything. God, that would be uh, so ballsy of her. I mean, the the only thing that she did in the first, like, if there was a common thread for Sherry in the first season, is that like she protected the family in right. whatever way now, she saw fit. If she had, yeah. sw- if she had sweared on the life of Kim Bauer, yeah, then or any other kids. Lying. Like anyone else's child, anyone else's, else's child. child. <laughs> but it was so funny to me because she's like, "You think it was me, David? <laughs> like why? Uh, me? Well, let's see. Let's see, Sherry. Uh, you had my number one aide come up and try to get this dick last year, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then you tried to kill a, a perfectly innocent and somebody you didn't know was terrible. Uh, you tried to have her killed, a fifteen-year-old yeah. child for fun. Yeah. So." Just- don't like, trust you. Just her, her like pure as the driven snow act here. It's like, ah, uh, sure, we all know you. Right, he knows you. Where is she from? Because she affects she ha- she affects this southern accent every once in a while that is just completely out of character. Yeah, it's weird. It's like every like it's not there all the time, but every once in a while when it shows up, it's like uh, me, David. <laughs> it's when she wants to sound most innocent, right? She, oh, she like sure. goes Southern Belle. She's all adorable, you know. I mean, it doesn't. Oh, work. Ble- bless your heart, David. I would never do. It. Oh, 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 well. <laughs> you went you, Foghorn you, Leghorn yeah. there. Yeah, why, did you, why did you go? I say, I say, I did not. I, I say, I'm alive with my children. Dude, yeah, dude, you went. You went from Savannah sweetheart from Kentucky dude who I want to run from like real fast. I'm, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah. no, I'm out. Yeah, he went from Savannah to Moonshine. Oh, David, right? you have a purdy mouth. Oh, shit. Cheesers, creasers. Well, speaking of purdy mouths, uh, Mike Novick interrupts them and says, David, I need to show you the surveillance feed of Whelan's uh, uh, detention This broke room. my fucking heart, man. And yeah, so they cut to it, and what do we see? 25 minutes ago, Mike says, who let Ron Whelan mm. out of containment? Armis. Richard Armis. Armis. Our inscrutable angel watching over. He, he seemed My like such boy. a vengeful force. Yeah, our guy. I thought he was incorruptible. I thought yeah. he was Batman. Yeah. Somebody got to him. Well. Yes. So Palmer furiously demands that Armist be found immediately and that we find out who he's working for. And Mike says, well, if Armis is working covertly against you, and uh, please take our first drink of the episode because David's voice rises sharply Boy. above a middle C <laughs> yeah, and says, it's not converted anymore. It's in my face. And whoever Armis is working for is trying to keep me from finding this bomb. So he tells Mike to find out where the hell Armis is and who's behind it. Yeah, because um, this is the thing is like, okay, if Sherry did it, she could be working under her own assumptions of whatever she's trying to do. If it was Mike, I, like... Armis is clearly working for someone else. He's not right. doing this under his own accord. No, Armis isn't dumb. He knows there's a camera there, right? He knows the Anrock. Right. Which there's is actually no, the kind of no thing. There's no way. Like, I, 
this almost seems like a weird frame job that Armis is in on because like he knows it. He's clearly like a skilled sort of operative. Mm-hmm. Like he knew he was being seen and obviously he got the hell out of Dodge. So like maybe he's just gone <laughs> yeah. now. But like, I don't know. It, it, it all seems fishy. And again, like above Sherry's pay grade, because she even says she's like, I don't have the resources to do this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's got to be someone with some clout, which so to me, it's either Lynn Kresge, Mike Novick, uh, or Roger Stanton, the head of the NSA. But mm-hmm. I guess we don't find out today, but I am sure we will soon. So we cut to the plane carrying Jack Bauer. Nina, it is going down pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And as everyone on the board is racing for impact, Jack kind of tells the FBI guys, uh, Rick Phillips, that the pilots found a safe place to crash land in a dried riverbed. And he calls George Mason to tell them the coordinates of where they're going to crash. And then can we drink? The- can we drink for a niner? Yeah, there was a niner, a niner in those coordinates. <laughs> also, also, Nina, Nina looks surprisingly calm for the fact that this plane is about to crash. So, yeah, Nina looks I think Nina's kind of. At peace with that she's dead anyway today. Um, and if anything, I think sees this as an opportunity to get out. And like, also, we said that no one knew that the plane was going to be diverted to San Diego mm-hmm. except for Nina when she mentioned it. So like, it seems like she says it later in this episode. It seems insane that you would arrange to have your own plane shot down. But like, maybe she's cool with this. Happening. Well, to be yeah, fair, I mean, she arranged to have herself shot in the chest in the last the last season. So, uh, right. yeah. Well, <laughs> and I mean... So on one hand, you're staring down the barrel of Jack Bauer's gun. On the other hand, a plane crash. So like there's a 0% chance that Jack doesn't kill you. There's like a 90% chance or is it a 10% chance that the plane crash doesn't kill you? And kills Jack also? Right. That, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> she should know that nothing's going to kill Jack. Well, yeah, I mean, but there's a, there's a 100% chance that Jack makes this slow. <laughs> if given the opportunity, right, right. he takes his time. Right. So, the plane crash yeah, the quick. plane crash is pretty easy. Yeah. Well, as we find out, Nina faces some pretty imminent death threats in a moment here. So, um, as he's on the phone with George, Jack says, "Nina is like, we we may not make it through this. You need to tell them where the bomb is." And he puts George on the speaker, and George says, "Nina, what can we do?" And I love Nina, how they appeal to Nina's humanity in this right. moment. Like, she's going to give a shit if if L.A. gets nuked after she dies. Well, the thing is, like, again, they've worked with her, and I think at least got a sense of, like, even if she was play-acting, that she seemed to be an empathetic, like, caring government person who wanted to save lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Michael's giving me a two... He's jerking off two <laughs> trolls at the moment. Um, so, anyway, but Nina very smartly and insightfully says, even if I survive this plane crash jack is gonna kill me anyway and she just assumes jack is gonna survive the plane crash this is my favorite part he's <laughs> like we all know he's <laughs> gonna make it through this um so george says phillips will protect you from jack which <laughs> i laughed at phillips didn't directly laugh at it but they like cut to him when she said it and he was kind of like and <laughs> And Jack gives her his word that he only wants to find the bomb and he will not harm her. And Nina just says, Today. I don't believe you. And when she says that, what is what happens next? Fucking Rick. Oh. <laughs> Rick Phillips gets into action, pulls a gun on Nina, and then tells her to give the fucking information oh, out. Yeah. Like, he didn't miss a beat. He just, like, slipped across the aisle. Like, he... 
somehow slithered through his like seatbelt <laughs> and had a gun under her chin faster than like possibly just like do one last good thing with your life. Okay, so I had when that happened, when that happened, I had and and then Jack Jack basically saves her from Phillips. Right. Which is like a ro- complete role reversal. I thought for a second that they had staged this whole thing. They had staged the the plane going down. They had staged uh, Phillips and Jack doing a good cop, bad cop thing to mm. try and get her to turn. And I was convinced that they were fucking with her until the plane actually crashed. <laughs> right. It, it, it went, well, it went down skis. <laughs> yeah. I, so I did. Since they showed the plane on fire outside, I was like, okay, well, they probably is. This is actually <laughs> happening, I guess. But um, so you mentioned the role reversal. And I think this is something that Jack is constantly doing a cost benefit analysis of his actions nonstop because. In the last episode, we talked about how, like, they had Mahmoud Fahin in custody. And I think Jack was very confident that either he or CTU could break that man very badly mm-hmm. and get the information they needed. And he was going to, he tried to pull Nina into a van by himself and told, like, Rick Phillips and the Deuces. other FBI guy, like, no peace. I got it. We're, we can go hang out together. Yeah. It'll be cool. We're going to go like, Fridays and get it. <laughs> so, like, he Jack was obviously super dupes ready to kill her. Um, and then as soon as she killed Fahin, Jack's benefit analysis shifted. He's like, okay, well, now I'll do anything to save Nina. And then even later in this episode, we see that Jack is still do- willing to do whatever it takes at any cost to solve this bomb problem. Yeah, I mean, clearly um, his, he has a hierarchy that he he commits to 100%. His hierarchy is save everyone that he can possibly save. And then slightly below that is murder the shit out of Nina. It's no. Number Jack one Bauer's is hierarchy of death. Yeah. <laughs> Number one is save Kim. Yes. yes then right. save everyone else. Yes. Then murder Nina. Then murder Nina. I I have one question though about this this flight, as it is imperiled, gentlemen. Do you think that the folks who were seated in the exit row agreed to their responsibilities? <laughs> This is a serious question for this flight. I did okay. see a lot it's, of it's, it's seat happening. swapping. Yeah. yeah. People were getting yeah. up and moving. I didn't mm-hmm. hear an audible yes from Mm-mm. anybody. Mm-mm. Nobody gave a fuck, huh? Mm-hmm. No. Next time see, you're not allowed to This is why they ask row. you. This is why you How have to that? pay attention to the safety briefing at the beginning. Yep. I mean, Nina was having secret chats mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. terrorists mm-hmm. during the safety briefing. So, like, she wasn't even paying attention. Pretty mm-hmm. fucked up. No. Um, so Jack, uh, Philip reluctantly agrees to go back to his seat and submit to Jack's uh, hierarchy of murder. And um, the plane continues to crash and the captain announces that they are not going to make it to the crash zone uh, or the landing zone. So everyone assumes crash position. Jack informs George that they're not going to make it. And uh, we cut to CTU and the radio suddenly cuts off and we see the CTU crew stare at each other. And George orders a search and rescue team to be dispatched to find them which Michelle Dessler calls a uh, team to do so. And we get a tiny clock. It's 4.06. Please take a drink. We cut back to the Enrock, and David is telling Mike Novick that he'll make a statement soon, but that they need to find Armis in the meantime. And he sees Sherry kind of like sitting down at a table uh, across the way, and he walks over to apologize uh, for accusing her of releasing Ron Wyland. And Don't she, do it. Don't apologize yet. He lets her know that Armis was the one who released him. Mm. And Sherry says the super dupe's obvious that Armis doesn't have his own agenda, so he yeah. must be working with someone. But the way she says it is so weird. Yeah. But Armis doesn't have his own agenda. 
My word. Sherry has some lines in this one that are just like, uh, especially when she confronts Lynn later in the episode about the speech. And it's like, oh, my goodness. They're, they're like they're soft talking fights or so. And we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we'll we'll run through this a little bit. And then so she accepts his apology and she says she doesn't think David will change his attitude overnight um, about her. But she's happy to take the apology. Um. And then she wants to know what David's going to do next. And he says. Well, all we can do is spin the story uh, to attack the Wyland's credibility that he doesn't like David, even if it's not Spinzo. based in fact. God and damn it. His defense is fake news. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. Fake news before fake news. And Sherry oddly suggests that he just tell the truth because it's what he's good at. Uh. And this is the most. So she says a good thing. She's like, you should yes. just tell the truth because. You pulled it off with Keith. You pulled, you know, did it with our divorce. You've earned the public's trust. Dot dot dot. Just use that. So she almost makes it sound like David has done all this goodwill and like actually being honest and forthright with the American public, just to cover up the fact that he illegally detained a terror, <laughs> like a, a a reporter. It's David like, Palmer does have a good line though uh, about her, where he's like, "It seems like you've changed." I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he's, he basically says he, it seems like she's changed, but he's not sure if she's actually changed or she's just gotten better at pretending. Right. Which mm-hmm. is like such an indictment on her character. It's like. And uh, I think it's we all know what it is. Yeah. And even like <laughs> later in this episode, like Sherry does some good work and doesn't get credit for it and like kind of sits back and lets so, like Lynn get it and like. That was a moment for me where, like, she hasn't yet rubbed it in Lynn's face, but David, like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with David in this, like, Sherry's not learned a lesson at all. Yeah, She's no. still the same kind of person. Her. Yeah. Um, so as we, as uh, that sinks in with Sherry, that comment, Mike Novick interrupts and tells David that the plane has gone down and that they're still waiting for details. So David storms off. And Mike just kind of gives Sherry a really stupid look. And we get a tiny clock at 4.08. Please take a drink. And we cut to the wreckage of the plane. And we see um, kind of like the classic plane wreckage, like a survivor scene where Jack just falls out of the plane. Um, so, I, so when I took notes, this is the first time I took notes on the computer. And so I labeled each note I made or like each group of notes based on the setting. So it's like NROC, Jack plane, NROC. For this one, I just realized I named it Jack Not So Plain. <laughs> Jack been deplaned, as it were. Well, so Jack deplanes himself, and he, we see him clutching his side, and then like he he tries to walk and he falls over, and we see just a massive okay. fuck. He's got okay. a little fuck well, off. Don't worry how, about it. Let me get this straight: you survived a plane crash, an aircraft mm-hmm. made up of metal. All the metal, even cloth on the seats. And what's sticking out of his fucking leg? A massive fuck-off stick. <laughs> they crashed into the trees, man. Fuck yeah, you. That, that, Actually, the, the, the plane was made out of wood. That was the thing. Like, he was, was this first goose, bro? <laughs> he was fully inside the plane. Yeah. Like, like, he That's, fell out of the, like, the fuselage. And, like, there weren't trees around him. No. When, like when he fell out like he just had a 
like a dagger of a branch sticking out of his thigh, which he yanks the fuck out, by the way. Um, And then he gets up and starts looking for other survivors. And, you know, this is pretty classic action movie affair, but like that limp does not bother him at all for the rest of the episode. Um, so he he finds Agent Rick Phillips of the FBI uh, barely alive. He wakes him up. He throws some wreckage off of him. Rick is still strapped to into his seat. And rather than like really trying to help him, Rick just says, Myers. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack just says, I haven't found her. I don't even know if she made it. And Rick just like, find her, which Jack <laughs> promises to do. And then he tells Rick that he'll... That search and rescue will be here soon, and he'll send them over. And then he keeps walking, and then he spots a another airplane seat flipped over in a ravine with a pair of dark jeaned legs sticking mm-hmm. out from under it. And he runs over. He discovers. He flips it over. Sees that it's Nina, and uh, she's not breathing. Then he makes out with her. Yeah. So this is like what, he has to. He has to resuscitate her. So he performs CPR on. A woman that he's previously had sex with, and also who killed his fucking wife. Mm. But she knows uh, where and the also bomb is. Knows where the bomb is. Again, this is one of those things like the hierarchy. So Jack revives her, and then like he just like rolls the <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of murder. Um, he revives her so that he can later kill her. He's like, no, well, no, fuck guys, you. This plane is not killing you. Yeah, I be, am going to fucking murder you. Let's be honest. Do you not think that Jack's murder fantasy of Nina doesn't involve some resuscitation? Mm. She's not dying first time, bro. That's true. That's not. Come on. That's, that's actually, yeah, that's a great point. But so he revives her and then kind of like rolls off of her and like wipes his mouth and like he looks pretty like upset, obviously. But then like she rolls over and just looks like also disgusted that one, she's alive again Two that like Jack had to do that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was she. No one looked pleased about it. Just because he knows she knows that the only reason that he revived her is so that he can murder her later. Right. She's like, I, ha- I was out. I was, I was out. Was you pulled out. me back in. <laughs> pulled me back in. So we cut to commercial. It's 412. We come back. It's 416. Uh, we're at CTU and Michelle Dessler is in a conference room analyzing images of the crash. And she's rewinding backwards through satellite footage, which was apparently just tracking the plane. Um, and what does she see on the satellite images? Missiles. Surface to air missile. Yes. And George cannot believe it. He's looking over her shoulder. And as he's looking at her screen, um, what happens? A little, 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 little drop of blood. Yeah, just, just pops out of his nose, to onto, out of the nose onto her screen. And he kind of scrambles back and orders her to compile a list of anyone who may have had access to the flight information. And then to inform Search and Rescue that safe to assume whoever did this doesn't want them to find the nuke. So make sure they're well armed. Yeah, um, so... Are we to assume that there is another mole within CTU? I think there's definitely a mole. I mean, honestly, if there was a mole in the decimated CTU, I'd be surprised. Um, I think so there's definitely a mole. within the government. Yeah. I think there are definitely moles within the government, even if not working for the terrorists, definitely people who don't want this bomb to be found. I mean, obviously, Armis is probably working for one of them. There's still they this shadowy. hate L.A. so much. Uh, well... I'm no fan. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> um, Holly weird, right? Ugh. Um, There's also still, we haven't really talked about it. This, I mean, I think we mentioned it in one of the episode eight. 
um, that still shadowy cabal of businessmen that Ooh, David kind of fronted on. Um, so uh, there, there are people who might want David Palmer to be to fail if that takes a nuclear bomb. That's what it takes. Um, so we cut to we got a tiny clock. It is four seventeen. And as George leaves the room with Michelle, uh, Tony confronts him about the order to. Uh, so George had ordered to put Bob Warner and uh, Reza Nair, his soon-to-be maybe son-in-law, in the same room together. Um, and George tells Tony to I'm back gonna, off, and he's I'm like, "I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, <laughs> say that I don't think that wedding is going to happen anymore, guys." Yeah, God, we're close. Yeah. It could. It's still there's still time left there in the day. Fucking Disney magic happening. You don't know. I mean, yeah. Raisa says later in the episode that they were supposed to get married within the next hour. Mm. So there's still time. Plenty Plenty of time. Will Smith got married in Independence Day while aliens were attacking. Okay, you can make it happen. Yeah, if you're dedicated enough and you have the right dolphin ring, you can make things happen. I'm just saying, I don't think Bob personally is going to pay for it anymore. Man, that those bills are paid. <laughs> He's gonna pay for it, all right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> those bills are paid. The caterers have gotten their check. Um, so Tony kind of gets up in his face and he's like, "I don't get you, George. One minute you're off trying to save your own ass, and now you're back here trying to run the show. I'm not gonna back off your decisions here. What's going on?" And George finally tells him, "It's like, oh yeah, you remember that warehouse earlier with all the weaponized airborne plutonium mm. and the gunfire." Snorted all that shit. <laughs> I I hoovered all that shiz up. I am I am rotten with plutonium. I want I want Studio Fifty Four up on that shit. <laughs> These lungs riddled with the stuff. Oh shit! Even got some up my old butthole. Just that mm. all happened. Mm-hmm. Just, just brought it in. At, at that but, point, I would just pack it all in. the plutonium. <laughs> yeah. So he says, "I'll be lucky to make it through tomorrow." And Tony just doesn't really know what to say and asks what he could do. And George is just like. Just let me do my job and you do yours. Hey, suck all this plutonium right out of my b-hole, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> or get out of my fucking way, asshole. <laughs> he I was mean, nicer. To be fair, if, if my boss, who who was shitty, like if I had, a, I, I've had some shitty bosses. If they were close to dying, I don't believe that any of them would be like, I'm going to work real hard. I don't even care whose life's on the line. They'd be like, no, nope, I'm fucking out. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's the thing about we kind of talked about this about George Mason. Like, I mean, even last episode, he started to roll up his sleeves. But like, as much as he was in it for himself, like, obviously, you know, he stole money and, uh, you know, didn't really want Jack to follow up and stuff like he still did the right thing when the money was like when the chips were down in season one. And it, like, I, I I don't know. I think there's still that level of him that even though he's self-serving, like he still is a guy who wants to do the right thing. Yeah. Like, like George. He he clearly re- he clearly got into the job for the right reasons. Right. At this point, he's like a bureaucrat. He's realized that he's just kind of like not going anywhere. But I think he gets back down to the heart of it. Why he joined CTU in the first place. <laughs> to get buttfuls of <laughs> plutonium. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think he also, again, we talked about this and he does it in the next scene. Like. It's also just about throwing bad guys around an interrogation room and finding that GD bomb. Um, so George walks into the room where Reza and Bob are being held and uh, says, um, okay, so uh, you're both claiming to not know Syed Ali, the terrorist, which makes Reza very indignant. And Bob just kind of sits there in the corner with his like hands steepled and not really listening. And uh, 
Raisin kind of gets up in George's face and George is not having it and just kind of throws him around. And he tells Raisin and Bob what's at stake today and that there is a cache of plutonium found in L.A. in a warehouse earlier. There is a bomb assembled to be detonated today. And then he drops a bill of lading or a receipt for a container from the from Warner Enterprises to Sayed Ali for which which was found at the warehouse, which who I, I don't know why memo, you would leave a for terrorism. Again, a memo what, like, terrorism. Did somebody like did somebody like deliver a FedEx to the 9-11 guys? Like, you know, like from Osama bin Laden. Bomb hashtag, stuff. Hashtag terror hashtag terror. <laughs> like what the fuck are you giving your memo line use these on the plane this, this reminds me of something classic y'all this is a little bit off topic but it was hilarious to me is that um when whitney houston was being interviewed after everybody found out that she was smoking or doing drugs um she said that the, the interviewer asked her if she'd smoked crack and whitney said have you seen a receipt <laughs> <laughs> crack is whack you think right and i said if you have a drug dealer who is giving out receipts that's the guy I want. I'm just that's saying, a, that's how, a are you, how are you going to get reimbursed <laughs> if you don't have the receipt? I mean, they're just they not going to reimburse you, I, you off your so, word. So you're I can't Sayed expense Ali is a, this if Sayed I don't Ali have is the a consultant in terror. He's not a terrorist. Yeah. He's got to get reimbursed well, by the, by yeah, the customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we will that find out in a moment, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so he he slaps the receipt down on the table and uh, with a raised voice says, one of you is lying, so you know what? Whoever talks first gets immunity. You got uh, ten minutes. The old dilemma, but this is a little <laughs> different because you're face to face on this bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he walks Gloves out. Gloves are we off. A, we get a tiny clock. It's four nineteen, and we cut to the uh, the New Hall Sheriff Station, where Kim and Miguel, murder suspects, are sitting in comfy chairs, uncuffed, just. <laughs> Hanging around the police station. You want me to do it? I want you to do it, my friend. White people. Mm. (laughs) Good God. Uh, It must be nice. They're just sitting there. uh, As Officer Brown says in a moment, suspects in a capital crime. Yes. Again, a murder. And um, Officer Brown walks out as they are waiting for the CTU agents promised to them by Michelle Dessler to show up. And Officer Brown says, "Uh, yeah, actually, fuck that. CTU has no jurisdiction here. We're going to transfer you to downtown LA. He says the captain overruled it. Which is the captain overruled because CTU has no jurisdiction in a murder case. Right. Except that they're a federal agency. And so you can't the captain can't overrule a federal agency. Yes, he can. Sure, you can. They have if no they jurisdiction. If they don't have no jurisdiction, they, they have. Their, it's, not a t- it's not a terror. Did you, it's not a terror plot. They're a federal agency, which means they have literal jurisdiction over everything. In the I mean, so is the, the CIA, bro, but they don't have jurisdiction no, no, no. in the states. Yeah, but the FBI does. If I the mean, FBI I, I, comes in and says we want those suspects, the captain can't just be like, "Nah, nah fuck you, nah, FBI." I think there's, I think there's actual like lines. Yeah, like I'm if you sure. rob, a, if you rob a bank in somebody's city. That's a federal. That's an FBI thing. But if you like shoot somebody in a bank, it's like, well, no, that's ours. Right. And also, but the thing is also, um, so yeah, the whatever happened in LA, Gary Matheson is there, but that does not matter. 
uh, because the body was found outside of L.A. Correct. in the state of California. So they can't, they can't prove they, the murder happened in L.A. Right. Also, so they should be held wherever they were found. Right. Also, because they're they're not local PD. They're not LAPD. They're California Highway Patrol. Well, apparently this was the Newhall Sheriff who who brought them in. No, officer and, I, Brown and by the way, I will say this. This officer, he does not seem pleased to have to take them back to L.A. <laughs> he's just, he's like, I guess fucking, he's overruling me. So good, good. Oh, it's like, first of all, it's like, I didn't want to drive that far today. Also, like, you told me about the bomb. I don't That's believe the thing. you. Like, he, I he, checked into it. Um, I don't really want to go there. <laughs> Here's the thing. If, 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 like, if you were in law enforcement and CTU wasn't that much of a known thing, and someone said to you, this is my father, he's this agent in CTO, they're saying this is the bomb, you're like, ah, oh, shit, I really don't want to... Yeah, sounds, so that again, sounds pretty real. Chance. I'm not taking that chance. Yeah, yeah. If there's a no 1% shot. chance there's a nuclear bomb, I'm not going there. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not George Mason. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, and it's like, again, CTU's in this weird, like, gray area where some people apparently know all about it, still, some others don't, uh, because no one knew about it in season one. Um... So he walks away and she's like, my, I got my orders. You guys are going back to L.A. And uh, Miguel is just all pissed off. Uh, and Kim just says, don't worry. Once my dad finds out, he'll fix it. And M- Miguel's just like, uh, yeah, your dad's a piece of shit. It's not going to happen. And Kim has some sappy moment about how uh, she was just angry at Jack and blamed him for everything that happened and went wrong. He just did his best and she wants to forgive Jack. But <laughs> far noise. So we get another tiny clock. Please take a drink. It's 421. And we hear Reza just yelling uh, at Bob that this is crazy. How can they keep us here without letting us see a lawyer? And Bob, again, still very calm, not really engaging. Just says, you know, nothing we say will make any difference. Just be quiet. No matter what happens, they're going to make it look like we did it. And Reza just starts to, like, argue with Bob and start to interrogate him about the sale of the plutonium Mm -hmm. and what he's been up to and why he's connected with the CIA and Tony and George, uh, we see, are outside listening on computers, analyzing their voice patterns. And we learn that Race's voice is emotional, but controlled and level, while Bob's is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Clearly yeah. lying. I mean, but yeah, Reza, though, is moving around that table like a goddamned officer or an agent of some sort. He's mm-hmm. he's making them interrogation moves like you see from the brilliant Ice T on SVU. <laughs> he's definitely he's passionate and again though he's passionate, but his voice is dead level. Like yeah. as we see on like yeah. the voice scans, mm-hmm. like so he's either the world's greatest actor or just telling the truth, <laughs> um, which is weird for this show. Um, and Razor just basically says, like, so Bob says that he let the CIA use his distribution system, and that's it. And Razor says, I think you're full of shit. <laughs> um, and Bob tells him to just sit down before he says something that he'll regret for the rest of his life. And what does Razor do next? Uh, he keep spills it all. Yeah. He snitches, you He spills Bob's beans, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he turns to the camera, throws his arms up, and says, I can track the shipping order at the main Warner Enterprises office. You just need to get me there. And Bob freaks the dick out. <laughs> and CTU agents rush in, and Raysa is just yelling, I, don't, I refuse to take the fall for you. And uh, George comes in and leads Raysa out, and we cut to commercial. It's 424. Raysa's smart. He's like, look, bro, there's two of us here. And I'm the brown dude. 
True. Like, if we don't say anything, I'm going to get blamed for this. All day, every day, friend. It's all you, man. So let's talk about the fact that it gave... uh, So George gave them 10 minutes to whoever talks first will get immunity. Mm -hmm. It took Arisa three minutes to get to that point. (laughs) Hey, George George knows his game theory. Yep. (laughs) For sake. (laughs) Um, so we come back it's 428 and we're still at CTU and Michelle asked Tony to tell uh, George Mason that the search and rescue teams are about 12 minutes away from the crash site which again going by this show's clock anyone who says they're 12 minutes away is actually 30 minutes away which will work out perfectly Uh, we'll be there Uh, tomorrow yes see ya never maybe Um, and then she also says hey Tony what the fuck's going on with George and Tony's like, what are you talking about? He's busy. She's like, uh, yeah, I think he's got radiation poisoning. <laughs> yeah, so um, I I wrote that Michelle is very perceptive. Mm-hmm. She might make a pretty good CTU agent, <laughs> which means she'll probably get murdered. <laughs> or be a mole. Right? Like, there aren't any good CTU agents that aren't either immediately dead or a mole. So I immediately wrote mole. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was just like, she's she's definitely a mole. Right? Yeah. That's the end of it. So she, thanks. She's also cold as ice, man. Because she's just like, okay, cool. He's got radiation poisoning. Uh, Probably means he can't do his job anymore. And he should get the yeah, fuck out. He should take it. Like, I, 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 Part of me is like, is this terrorist organization essentially saying, hey, you need to infiltrate CTU. You must sleep with agent and convince him he's supposed to be in charge. This is his mission. Did I go Russian there? Yeah, I did. You did very, very Russian. (laughs) Um, So on that note, she also says, um, so she kind of ties all the pieces together and that she said, like, there were hazmat teams at the warehouse. George had a nosebleed earlier. Shipler saw him vomiting in the bathroom. It doesn't take a doctor to figure it out. Dot, dot, dot. Plus, I can read your face pretty well by now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is another, like, sort of like, fuck it. I don't think they've been fucking. They will. They be about. Fucking. They they about to been fucking. Mm. And again, Curtis, I don't know if this is a honeypot situation or not. Ooh, yes, I think it is. Yeah. I really do. I don't trust. I don't trust Michelle. Yeah, I will well, say though that. Uh, like, sorry, I don't. I don't mean. I, I trust. A, I, I trust a. I don't trust that Michelle. There <laughs> it is. Fair. I will say that like, there are some really good female characters on Twenty Four. Hmm. Hmm. Like deep and and not just always as like a foil to Jack or or to the other male character. Like just in their own right, for sure. Right. To be fair, there are also the worst female characters on Twenty Four, though. Uh, yeah, so, sure. Uh, Obvi. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of one. Yeah, there is two. I can think two. of one and there's, a half. There's one and a mini one. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. One and a small clone. Um. And so in the scene, also though, Tony is kind of like going to bat for George and says, uh. Because Michelle's doubting that he can do his job and wants him fired. And he's like, he can do his job. He wants to do his job like I've never seen before. Just trust me on this. Mm-hmm. Like, so I like that Tony's kind of bought into George's new attitude, even like he knows he's dying, but like I think can tell that George wants to do a job today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a tiny clock at four, at four thirty. Please take a drink, and we cut to uh, two of those strong female characters <laughs> as uh, Sherry catches Lynn Cressy coming out of a meeting with uh, some two aides, and um, she hands Lynn a folder <laughs> with a revised draft, uh, a, a draft of Palmer's upcoming speech to the press that Sherry revised on her own, oh, and Lynn Christ. says, 
uh, how did you get this? I haven't even shown it to the president yet. And how did Sherry get it? She knows people. She knows them folks. She knows she knows all them all them peoples. You know? I I know peoples who know peoples who know me. Like, <gasps> she's just so oh god, she's I can't tell if she's just so badass or like I wanted to strangle her. It's like a little bit of both. Like, I'm going to say this. What, what I enjoy about this is that both Sherry and Lynn get into an epic pissing match. Mm. Mm-hmm. But they manage to never travel above 20 decibels. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just talking real close, real quiet. If it was two dudes. Oh. Like, it would have taken maybe five seconds for it to just be a loud, fuck you. Yeah, somebody's getting suplexed through <laughs> a table. <laughs> It, it, with dudes, this would have been fisticuffs within five seconds. And so, but here's Lynn, the important question: Yeah, who are we siding with? I am with Lynn. I'm with Lynn Kretzky. With Lynn? Yeah, yeah. Because like, like Sherry. So, so basically, Sherry says that Jenny, the uh, like one of the press agents, gave her the speech because she's known me for a long time. She knows what I have to offer. To which Lynn replies. The president believes you can be an asset in this time of crisis, but he did not give you permission to insert yourself where you don't belong, which Sherry was in the White House. Sherry knows how this game is played. She knows exactly what toes she's stepping on. Mm -hmm. And so she responds to that by saying, I'm coming to you before I go directly to David. (laughs) And like like she's doing Lynn a favor by giving her the speech, which it turns out maybe she is. But like. She knows what she's doing, and Lynn says, that sounds like a threat to me. Well, right, but so, like, Sherry, don't get me wrong. Sherry obviously knows what she's doing. She obviously knows that she's pissing off Lynn. She obviously knows she's stepping on Lynn's toes. But but she's doing it for no reason. Is she doing it for no reason? I mean, like, d- if she honestly thinks that she has something better to offer than what's there, she, I feel like she thinks it's her duty to make David look as good as possible. Right, which is what she says, because right. she says if the speech isn't perfect, Ron Whelan can bring down this administration. But, like, all it would have taken was, hey, Lynn, I've heard about the speech. I have some thoughts. I know David, and I know, like, how this works. I have some thoughts on that. Like, here, like, here my, like, but whatever. But do you honestly think that if she said that to Lynn, that Lynn doesn't just go, eat, eat all of my dick? <laughs> That's fair. Right? Eat the available dick? Yeah. Pussy pretty free. Yeah, no. Yeah, so Lynn just says, I'm well aware of the implications of the speech, to which Sherry just says, well, if you know that, then you know you owe it to David to look over my thought, like my revisions on the speech, and just hands it and walks away, which, fair enough. So we get another tiny clock. It is 431. And so (laughs) this this all is, this this is where the episode starts to get nasty good um yeah so it was like Jack, who who's gonna get there first is it gonna be the search team or is it gonna be whoever missiled the plane oh right it's defo not gonna be the search team <laughs> no <laughs> we have if the higher you go up in federal in federal agencies the worse your response time is which to be fair though again like michelle said 12 minutes they're not that far off <laughs> like no. they did pretty good no so yeah we'll get to that in a second okay so Tiny clock, 431. Uh, Jack recuffs Nina Myers and begins to lead her uh, away from the crash site up into some hills, which seems odd because, like, he definitely left Rick Phillips alive and in pain and tied to a chair uh, down in the crash site. But um, 
as, he, search, as they're walking up. Searching will get you. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Look at them. Um, so as they walk up into the hills, they hear some voices back at the plane. And Jack turns around and we see some soldiers wearing fatigues and carrying M4 rifles. Um, and one of the soldiers says, oh, hey, we found a survivor. And Jack kind of turns and briefly comments, that's weird. They don't look like search and rescue. <laughs> and uh, what happens? They they murdered him. They, they pumped they pump two in there, dude. Mm. <laughs> they walk up to Rick Phillips, who's laying down on the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, they execute him. Yep. And so I happen to f- freeze it at this moment because I needed to stop and take notes. Uh, mostly I, I wrote what happens in all caps. Um, and I saw Nina looks shocked. Like, for whatever reason, like, she did not see that coming, which seems weird to me. Like, I don't know if she was just expecting Search and Rescue to show up. Well, I wonder if she was, I wonder if she was expecting that whoever shot down the plane was gonna try and, like, capture people and, and get her to safety. And I think what she realizes at this moment is that these bitches are here to just murder her buddy. Right, like, and it think, doesn't matter whether they're on her, their side or not. Like, they're if they find Nina, they're gonna kill her. Right. Yeah. And they're, I, they're I just think, here to nuke, nuke this town mm-hmm. and get the fuck away with it. So. Yeah, and I think so. I think the fact that I paused at that moment and saw that she was shocked really drove home something to me. Like, Sarah Clark playing Nina Myers is so good at conveying emotion through her face. She's great. Um, She's great. Like. Mm-hmm. Later in the episode, there's a great like side by side screen. We'll get to that with her and David Palmer. Um, and like even even when she rolled over after Jack did the CPR on her, like her face delivered such like disgust and also like dread. Yeah. And like the fact that she was shocked in that scene means a lot to me. Like it's clearly like she's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm dead. Like, I don't want these people to get me. I'd rather Jack kill me. Like Nina's <laughs> so good. Like, so I. Uh- we talked about if we could meet someone who played on this show. If we could have somebody on this show, we talked about who, like, Sarah Clark has got to be it, right? Like, I yeah. want to know what, like, what she was, like, what they, exactly she was playing here. Yeah, like, did they tell her the entire role? Right? Like, beginning? does she know everything when she's doing this? Or is this, like, they're only revealing a little bit each time? I feel like she, I, I feel like she must have had a bigger picture, although, I like, I think the fact that season one was like a half, like two half seasons together, like who knows? But like she did, she's so good here. Um, So Jack tackles her to the ground and like asks her if they're, if the soldiers are there for her. And she just says, I don't know. I don't know. And then what happens? Oh God, Jack shoots him with a flare right in the fucking chest. And I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. A commando comes over the top of the hill right above them. And I don't know where Jack got a flare gun from, from the plane. He picked it up. Okay. Yeah. It was one of the things he picked up when, when, uh, when he was like searching through the wreckage. Okay. Well, uh, PS that guy dies really (laughs) badly. So please take a drink guys. Um, so this reminded me of, so there's a movie called Dead Calm. It stars Nicole, Ooh, Nicole Kidman, Kidman. Yeah, Sam Neill, and Billy Zane. The The climax scene f- boat fight at the end, Nicole Kidman shoots the dude right in the face with a flare through, like, through the sail of the boat, and it shoots him in the face with a fucking flare. 
And, and Lafache. Like, I don't remember anything else about this movie, but I remember that fucking scene is I me and Matt watched this movie and we rewound and rewatched that scene probably 15 to 20 times. Just so you and you could see the flare light up this dude's face. It's the best. People dying from getting shot with a flare is probably one of my favorite things in a movie or TV show. It really elevates a film to another level. Mm-hmm. Like it because like every time it happens, it looks more ridiculous <laughs> than like the last time I saw it. And like it doesn't seem possible. Like, like I, it doesn't seem like you should die from it. I want to know if it works. I'm pretty yeah. sure it doesn't. <laughs> but does it? I mean, hold on. It's fire. Well, yeah, so whatever. I think it depends on what is in the flare gun cartridge. Could it embed itself into your chest and then kill you? Because a bullet kills you because of all the damage it does. If a flare just embeds itself into your, like, skin... you kill someone with a flare gun? Oh, that's, like, the first thing that comes up. So, I think they do often include (laughs) magnesium, which burns, oh, real hot. That's Um, that's rather hot. I think it probably could kill you pretty good. Yeah. Just wear a and coat. also, like, yeah, if you just jumped wear, in the water, wear, it would get wear, worse. No, wear a really thick coat. Man, it's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Never hot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we take a drink because as soon as uh, Jack murders a man with a bright burning orb of fire, um, other people are alerted to their presence and they start shooting at him. Uh, Nina tries to grab the soldier's gun and Jack says, don't even think about it, pushes her up the hill and he grabs the rifle and uh, they start running. They take cover in a creek bed. And uh, Jack makes uh, his first mistake of many Mm. and says, there's too many for me to handle on my own. He uncuffs her and tells her to run recon, tell spot other soldiers and handle all the ammo for him. And he says, screw with me now. And we both die. And he tells Nina that we have to work together. And Nina agrees. And he gives her all of his magazines for the rifle and they run off. And we get a tiny clock. At 4.33, please take a drink. And I don't think this is going to work out well. He did count co-op the mode. magazines. Yeah. He didn't count. I no, don't believe didn't. that. This is one of the most unbelievable things in this season plus nine hours of 24 is that Jack Bauer, Superman, Super Commando dude, does not know not how many re- fucking magazines and bullets he had available to him. Not a resource manager. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it. I'm not looking at all the bullets and all my guns when I'm playing a first-person shooter. I'm just like, you know, hopefully I got something in that M4 back there. <laughs> then I'm packing. Uh, let's see what happens when I switch guns. That's because I know I can run over an ammo pack until in six seconds, exactly. and I'll be fine. Not if you're pinned down. He couldn't get up to go, you know, step over a dude and teabag him real fast and get his ammo. <laughs> I'm also time. pretty confident I can I can rush forward, vault over some crates, knife a dude in the nuts, and then steal his gun. I'll <laughs> yeah, be if fine. you only take one or three bullets, you're fine. So you're good. Yeah. That's how it works. So, uh, 4.33, we cut to Kate Warner lying blessedly (laughs) unconscious on the ground as a man talks on a cell phone speaking Arabic. So, whoopsie, I guess they weren't Americans. Uh, They were actually terrorists what done the kidnapping of Kate and uh, Paul. Um, And uh, he completes the call and walks over to Reviver. And we see that she's lying down in a room with plastic sheeting along the walls, which is never never a good good sign sign for Mm -mm. a captive. Mm -mm. And he offers her tea or water and calls her Kate. And uh, she asks, how do you know my name? And he says, oh, I know much more than that. I know you're 29, unmarried, and you have an economics degree from Stanford. Um, And he says, I am Syed Ali. 
<laughs> which is must be a real bummer for Kate to find out. <laughs> First off, and don't besmirch folks 29 unmarried. That's the dick move, Syed. Okay? Yeah. yeah you're an asshole. Fuck yeah, that. you're a real piece of shit. I'm 32 and I'm married. You can eat, eat my whole butthole. There you go. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, and uh, he asked, uh, Kate, do you know who I am? And she came through this whole thing. I, I get that she was just drugged with some sort of unknown agent, but like, sweet baby Jesus, Kate is the dumbest person <laughs> on the planet. They're others like, yeah. I don't know anything. <laughs> um, so she just makes as, this weird as face. As good as Sarah Clark is. As Kate Warner is Kate worse. Warner is that bad. As, yeah. as a person in general. Yeah. Uh, she just makes this like horrible, dumb face. Ooh. And she's like, oh, I heard your name mentioned, but I don't know who you are. And Sayed says, listen, I know you were looking in your dad's files. You need to tell me what you saw. You were looking in places you don't belong. So you must have seen some things that you should not have seen. And she denies it again. So he grabs her and pulls her into another room and... We see uh, mm. oh, Paul Coplin, the PI, mm. being Paul. being tortured by another man wearing big old glasses and a plastic smock, uh, who is apparently named Mosin. And he says, he keeps telling us your father works for the CIA. This is not new information. We needed to know what you saw in those files and who you told about it. And Paul is just yelling that we didn't see it. We didn't say anything because we didn't see anything. And uh, they keep yelling that they were self-deleting files. And Syed does not care for that answer. And tells Mosin to start in again on Copland with an angle grinder. Yeah. And so this is what I don't get, though. So Syed Ali knows that they were looking and they found a file. Which means that he must have access, remote access to Bob's computer. Yep. But he doesn't know that they were self-deleting files or he thinks that they saw something before the file started deleting. So like, I don't get exactly who, who was protecting these files one and two, how they don't know anything beyond the fact that they access the files. Right. Yeah. It's very obviously. And obviously he knows that Bob is in the CIA, which Bob probably wouldn't just tell someone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> Although apparently, like he may or may not have been working with Syed Ali, so maybe. But like, why would Bob have additional files on Syed Ali that Syed would be worried about right. unless he was blackmailing him? So there's there's some weird layers here that I'm not sure about. Curtis, what are you thinking? You you look pensive. <sighs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about the grinder. More. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck. You know, Paul's day just sucks. Um, but yeah, no, I think. Uh, <sighs> It's it's. I wanted to immediately believe that Big Papa Warner knew something, but at this point in time, it's it's being too conveniently set up mm-hmm. for it to be him. So it also begs the, like somebody just somebody know. And it's like it's it, here's God. I I gotta say it. I'm sorry. I don't trust Marie. She's the worst person ever. Um, I just don't trust her. Or so that's yeah, gonna that's, come up a little bit later. Uh, yeah, we'll see that later. Michael, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say like. This is one of my worst fears, actually, is somebody thinking I know something and torturing me. (laughs) And like, because if I knew something and somebody started to torture me, I would immediately spill all those beans. Yeah, I would spill beans that I didn't even know I had. Yeah, I've I've told all my friends, um, don't 
I, that stop snitching thing? It's yeah, not no. me. I snitch. Fuck that noise. No. If, it, if, if they're like, yeah, you're going to jail for a No, I'm out. Who? What do you know? Like, a lot of people are afraid of dying. And I'm not personally afraid of dying. I'm afraid of the intense amount of pain that might lead to dying. I'm afraid of a long, drawn-out right. death. Like, yeah. I, like, you know, people are like, oh, I went bungee jumping in, in Costa Rica. And they're like, oh, weren't you worried? It's like, no, because if it snaps... I was 437 meters above the, the floor. Like, I'm going to die. It's over. Son. Right. I'm worried like, about the, like, 100 meter bungee where it's like, if it snaps, I might just be really, really in pain. For like, a while. you don't have to worry about, like, the capuchin monkey stopping you on the zip line mm-hmm. and, like, swarming you on a platform and slowly ripping your fingernails exactly. out. Like, that's not an issue. Exactly. It's the pain that I'm worried about. And so, like, if I didn't know anything and somebody thought I did... Like, that's my worst fucking nightmare. The thing is, I would just, I mean, like, I would immediately start lying. I would like, say anything. Yeah, like, I would say anything. Yeah, what do you want to know? Like, if you hurt me one time <laughs> after I said, I don't know anything, I'd be like, okay, guess what? I, yeah, my dog is the president of the CIA. Yeah, that, that, Bush yeah. did 9-11. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> but, we, I mean, here's another, yeah, that, I mean, that's just the truth. <laughs> I know where Wakanda is. I'm going to tell y'all. Don't worry about it. We're going to find it. <laughs> you know about vibranium. I'll tell you everything I know about it. <laughs> Curtis, uh, speaking of secret weapons, um, I see a, a movie film over your left shoulder. Do you now? Did you choose Charlie Wilson's War for any particular reason or just because it was a good role for Tom Hanks and you wanted to prove that he is a great actor? First, uh, fuck you. I've never seen uh, this movie. And everything you believe in. And I did choose it for a reason. Um, Mr. Charlie Wilson was a part of uh, forming and creating what has actually become one of the biggest thorns in the side of Western society, and that is the Mujahideen. So, mm-hmm. there you go. So Here we are. When the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, uh, our government taught the Afghanis how to fight back, utilizing um, explosive devices, uh, UEDs, as it were, um, and, uh, or, sorry, IEDs, improvised explosive devices, and uh, using missiles to shoot on helicopters to stop the Soviets from actually invading Afghanistan. Hmm. Uh, that didn't work and out that so well. Turned for to them huh? being terrorists, um, which, by the way, also we didn't need to do because Afghanistan is literally unconquerable uh, because it's never been conquered. Hmm. Never, literally <laughs> the most hellish place on earth yeah. that is only good for killing other people who come inside of its walls. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Genghis Khan and every other empire after him has has determined that it's unconquerable. Don't fuck with them. Yeah, I feel so like the general go. rule should be if Genghis Khan couldn't conquer it, then we should, probably shouldn't even try. If I learned one thing from Dan Carlin's hardcore history, it's just like, yeah, if Genghis fucked it up, yeah. you're, you're not, not going to figure better. it out. I don't care how many tanks you're you're sitting on. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do shit because nah. your tanks can't climb up mountains. Mm. Um, so we cut back from commercial. It is 440. Uh, I'm going to run through some hit bit, some here things here because it's we're about an hour in. Um, so we cut back to the hills. Jack and Nina are fleeing their assailants to get some cover. Um, See on Jack, these hills. <laughs> Nina is spotting for Jack, and uh, she tells him where some folks are, and uh, those hills have eyes because Jack <laughs> mows down two two folks. Please take God, a drink. I, don't you kind of want to watch like a half hour of Jack and Nina just like killing bitches? Like a, like a buddy war yeah, film? Right? Yeah, like for a buddy sure. Team? That would be so good. Yeah. Well, um, this is literally is, the opposite of, of playing video games with Michael Howard. Because <laughs> you want to be like, hey, Michael, you, you do the spotting, or I'll do the spotting, you do the shooting. That's not what you get, folks. Mike That's what you get. <laughs> um, so Jack kills two people, please take drinks. But as he's shooting, 
and uh, reloading. What does Nina do? Mm. He pockets a magazine, y'all. Yep. She takes a magazine and uh, tells Jack that he's got one clip left, or one magazine left, and uh, he runs out of ammo. I just see, this is what I don't understand. Like, he clearly only had three, and she took one, and he didn't realize it? Come on, man. Seems like he had four total, and I don't know. She, I think she, I think she did a weird thing where she swapped an empty for. Mm, some, I don't know. She maybe. did a thing. Yeah, but she so, did a thing. Speaking of things, Jack runs out of ammo, and then without missing a beat, drops the rifle, pulls out his pistol, and just like goes to town on these fools who are still shooting automatic Son, rifles at him. You, that triangle button needs to be a reflex if you're out oh, of ammo. Listen. Listen, I, my most that. effective weapon in Halo is a pistol from half, <laughs> halfway across the map. I'm doing headshots. No yeah, problem. I think he killed I more that. people with the pistol than he did with the fucking machine gun. Right. So as Jack is uh, about to run out of pistol ammo, uh, the CTU chopper arrives literally right on time, 12 minutes to the second. Uh, and uh, let's just go ahead and drink for plain up carnage. God, he just they, mowed shit down. They mm-hmm. mow some dudes down. And uh, Jack moves up to check the soldiers and then what happens? Uh, Nina takes the gun that he dropped and puts the clip that she pocketed in there and oopsie doodles, Jack. You got yourself in a little bit of a pickle. Bit of a pickle, and CTU agents arrive, and uh, she's they see Nina holding the gun on Jack. Jack drops his gun and just tells the CTU to comply with whatever Nina wants, and she's the only one who can lead them to the bomb. And uh, Jack laces his fingers over the back of his head, closes his eyes, presumably thinking about all the ways he'd like to kill Nina. And we get another tiny clock. Please take a drink. It's 443. This is I don't why care about this scene. everyone needs to watch Speed. You shoot mm-hmm. the hostage. Shoot him right in the leg. And this comes up later because we'll get there. Um, but so we got a tiny clock, 443. We cut back to the prison where Kim sees Megan being let out by Officer Brown. Whatever. Kim learns that yeah, Megan's being going to yeah, go up to whatever. her aunt's house in Santa Barbara. And they get really happy. Thank and God. Okay. Megan's not going <laughs> to die. Smart noises. We get another tiny clock. It's 445. And we're at CT where George and a team are leading Rasa out of the building. And we see Marie Warner just crying like a turd. <laughs> and um, Michelle briefs Tony and George on the situation with Jack and Nina, including Nina's demand to speak to President Palmer. And George tells the team to take Razor to Bob's uh, Bob's office, and he goes to handle that situation. And so Tony starts leading Raisa out, and he asks to speak to Marie to explain what's going on, because we were going to get married in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and Marie runs over and hugs him, says, don't worry, our attorney Larry is on his way th- with the top defense attorney in the city, Alex Holtzman. And Raisa says, oh, don't worry. I don't need a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> but your pops might. <laughs> oh, by the way, I sold out your pops. And uh, but we can still totes get married like he thought that was going to be OK. Like he's like, I still love you. I want to be with you. We can still do this dang thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but your dad was selling stuff to terrorists, Syeda Lee. And like he went into a little bit more detail than was absolutely necessary mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, Curtis, to your point, I was seeing the wheels turning with Marie. Every word that Raisa said about Syeda Lee and a paper trail mm-hmm. and transactions yep. like she was getting more and more distant. And then she just says. I can't believe you would do this after everything he did for you and for us. And I can't believe you're turning on Bob. And then she turns away, picks up her purse and just like kind of like shakes her head and walks out the door as Reza watches. 
And like that seems so super suspicious to me. Yeah. You like, take that rap home, boy. <laughs> take, <it. laughs> take them years, son. Yeah, so how are you feeling about I mean, obviously you had your suspicions. How are you feeling right now about the extended Warner family and hopefully hopefully Kate dies? Oh, she did that shit. Yeah. Marie did that shit and Kate. Um, yeah, she can die. That's fine. That's what, okay. what shit do you think Marie did though? Them terrorisms? So you think that she's responsible for the paper trail that is on currently on Papa Warner's computer? I think she fat nim glounce. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. So we are cutting back to commercial at 4.52 after uh, Raysa watches mm, uh, nice. Marie Warner walk away. And... Um, we see CTU connect Nina Myers to President Palmer, and Palmer says, tells Mike Novick, who's in the room, you speak to Nina first, so she doesn't think she can get something for nothing. Um, but as soon as Nina hears Mike, she says, I don't want to talk to you. I have to speak to the president. Do you want to stop this bomb or not? And Mike says, ah, don't worry. I get to negotiate for, for the big man, the prez. Mm. And, um, and Nina says, okay, that's fine. But I have one demand that is non-negotiable. And Mike says, well, okay, what do you want? And she says, I'll tell you for full, I'll tell you where the bomb is for full immunity. You already and Mike got is, that, Nina. Yeah, Mike is kind of like taken aback because he's like, me. you got to, the president has already granted you a total pardon. And uh, Nina says, well, this is for a crime I haven't committed yet. <laughs> and uh, Mike is curious and uh what crime is nina planning uh she's gonna murder jack bauer she gotta kill some jack mm-hmm. all the jack available which die. this comes up in a minute and we've talked about it before nina's a very forward-thinking mm-hmm, gal mm-hmm. as uh george puts it later she's a survivor yeah and she knows that if she doesn't kill jack now he will kill her later. Yeah, he will hunt her down to the ends of the earth and possibly the universe. And so Mike asks her, what will the consequences be if we do not comply with your request for total immunity? And Jack just interjects because he hears all this on speakerphone and says, you don't have a choice. Please tell the president. I don't believe he has any chance but to take this deal. And uh, Palmer mutes the call and switches to talk to CTU. And this is where George says... Yeah, no, Jack's Jack's dead. Nina's gonna kill him. Uh, and can the we need to do this? Can the president pardon future murders? I I think it says we'll grant you the pardon in advance. <laughs> we might find out pretty soon, friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but the other question is: is that all a pardon does is keep her from getting prosecuted for murdering Jack Bauer? But there's nothing from stopping. President Palmer from saying, like, hiring a CIA hit squad to murder Nina. Which he's already done. Right. Um, or, like, a drone of some sort. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, okay, so the pardon doesn't stop Jack from killing Nina. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have a piece of paper with the president's signature. Okay, okay oh, cool. sure. Is it made out of Kevlar and wrapped around your entire body? Then fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Also, so, basically, Palmer switches back to the call with Nina, says, okay, We'll give you the pardon on the condition that any information that you provide is accurate and we get Syed Ali and the bomb. And Nina agrees and she's like, well, okay, Syed Ali is involved. And we're like, yeah, we know. Yeah, no shit. Uh, and then she gives him an address, 18 Starling Court, mm-hmm. where Syed Ali is stationed. 
And George Mason hears that and tells local law enforcement to get on it. And Palmer says, okay, you're not to take any action until we put our hands on this bomb, to which Nina agrees, which, like, they can just do all their good police work, mm-hmm. get Sidely, stop the bomb. And then not and then tell just her. Tell, just tell anyone at CTU to shoot Nina right. in the head. Exactly. So, to be fair, she has positioned herself expertly against a fucking mountain. Yeah. So, the only shot can come from the front of her face. Or but a I helicopter. Do believe, or I a drone. I do believe we have some folks who can take that shot from a long distance mm-hmm. if she's sitting kind of still. Just going to guess it. Plus, she ha- even after she kills Jack, she has to get out. They could right. just murder her at any moment. I think if I'm Nina, I just don't want Jack to do it. Because it's going to be I long. guess that's true, yeah. Right, it'll take a while. She's like, oh, I'm dead anyways, as long as Jack doesn't do it. Well, that's the thing earlier. Like, earlier, she wouldn't talk to anyone until, like, her pardon had been faxed to CTU. <laughs> like, that she had proof of it. And it's just like, yeah, like, again, okay, yeah, you're totally, you have total immunity from killing Jack Bauer. Okay, you did that. I'm going to shoot you now because you're like a double mega terrorist. Right. Like, there's nothing to, like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, she are knows you gonna... he's his friend, right? Like, right. It's, he's my homeboy. Yeah. I'm going to kill you. It's like, I, mean, I need she... you to fly out here with my total immunity on a paper. Also, like, CNN. Just all, like, give bring Anderson Cooper here with a camera crew. <laughs> That's the I only mean, way I'm telling clearly, you where this shit She clearly knows that she's on her last, she has her last card to play, and this is it. Right. So she's and, fucking like, ah, this is it. This is all I got. Yeah. So this is where we kind of, so they agree to it. Palmer asks Jack if there's anything that he wants Palmer to do. And Jack just says, make sure Kim is safe and tell her that I love her. And this is where we get that side by side of like Palmer, who's starting to like mm. tear up, really crying about what this means from for Palmer him. After he, yeah. right before he says he agrees to it is like, hmm. Yeah, it's just, like, he nails it, and, like, he's so clearly, like, torn up about this, and then we see Nina, who's looking down the scope of the rifle, and, like, just so dead-faced, like, her, like, but it's, like, she's not dead-faced, like, you can tell she doesn't like, like, she's passionate in a different way, that, like, this is just straight-up survival Mm, checks, like, she just has to do it, and this is what she needs to do, and, like, she's not necessarily happy or, like, sad about it. This is just what her world is like, right now. I want to watch a Nina Myers origin story. Yeah. I yeah, I would pay Who all the money for that. You Nina. Who hurt you? I think a lot of, probably a lot of people. Probably. Yeah, some bad things happen. You ever seen Red Sparrow? That movie just <laughs> It's probably probably close. I mean, the Black Widow movie starring Jennifer Lawrence and not Scarlett Johansson. Um so uh David starts to apologize and Jack just stops him saying he made the only decision possible and Palmer hangs up and he's just crying and Mike agrees that this was the only choice they had and uh, Lynn Kresge walks in to tell him that the press corps is waiting uh, as it, moments after David had to basically sign away the life of his friend. Um, so he dabs at his eyes, he composes himself and walks out while reading the speech uh, that Lynn hands to him. And he stops after looking through it, and Sherry is looking on. And David says, oh, you made some changes to the speech. It's better. <laughs> and Lynn just says, thank you, Mr. President. And he walks out the door. Oh, what's this part about, I love Sherry Palmer, and she's the best thing ever? That's really weird that you just threw that weird. in there. huh? Weird. Huh. Uh, and S- Sherry just stares at Lynn, and I couldn't tell if she was staring smugly or like... <laughs> 
Oh, it was smug. Yeah, it was. It was. I told you so. That was her whipping was, her dick out and being like, "Yeah." But yeah. it was like smug and also it's like, I knew you're playing the game too. Mm-hmm. Like that, Lynn took credit for it. Yep. There's some she weird. She let her take credit for there. it, but she's like, "I know that you know that I know." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. But I know. Um, so we get a tiny clock. It's 4.57. And we are back at probably 18 Starling Court mm-hmm. with Syeda Lee and his old fun gang. And okay, Paul is being tortured. how Syeda Lee just looks like a like a terrorist version of Bob Warner? That was... They like the same person. Like, it's like Bob Warner and Brownface. Like, like a younger, fancier mm-hmm. Bob yeah. Warner. Yeah. Like, he, he might have sired Syed Ali while he was overseas doing some business. That's a good point because even like Syed Ali is wearing black uh-huh. and Bob, Bob wearing all wears white. like a loose a loose fitting white shirt right, is same, old is an old white same guy. Same goatee, same face shape. I'm just saying there's some shit going down. Same there. dude. Just same guy. Mm. Same pretty much just thinking Kate's a dumb dumb. <laughs> um well, that's, so, that's that's Earth. Please, right. So the planet Earth. Um. So Paul's being tortured. Kate still says, "I have no idea what you want." And so it's just like, "Yeah, you do." And Kate continues to deny it. And finally, Sayadali just says, "You know what, Kate? I believe you." And after she continues to deny seeing any of Bob's files, Sayad just pulls out a gun and <laughs> pops Paul right in the chesticles. Here's the thing: depending on what Paul's already been through, that was probably fine for him. Yeah, like it's mercy. That's a mercy. Uh. Three seconds of an ang- angle grinder on my chest. Yeah, shoot me. Yeah, but th- what's funny is that the the guy who was torturing him. Would you say his name was like Mosin or something? Mosin. Yeah. He kind of looks at Syed Ali and looks at Paul after he kills him and is just like, "Damn it, dude! I was working yeah, here." But like, I did all that good torture work, and then you just you just killed him. And like he he looked like miffed by the fact that like you just killed him also he shot him without fair warning and like oh you hurt my ears like most of looked like he looked so disappointed on like a number of levels that like his work was interrupted <laughs> like now i got this t- i got tinnitus now like <laughs> all sorts of things went wrong in his world um and then Syed says okay that's fine he shoots copland and then says okay take care of kate too um so Mosin takes off his big old glasses Takes off his plastic poncho, and Kate is just sort of, like, on the ground, like, covering her ears with her hands, just kind of rocking back and forth. Um, and we go to a split screen. We see Kate crying like a like a baby. Uh, Palmer starts to speak to the press. Um, the sheriff officers try or start to transfer Kim and Miguel to Los Angeles, which something tells me is not going to go yeah. well. Um and then we see Raysa in the car with uh, CTU on the way to the, to the Warner office. And Jack is on the ground in front of Nina. And Nina just can't can't help herself, huh? She can't keep her fucking mouth shut. Nope. Gotta poke that bear. Uh-huh. What, what does she say? I'll tell I'll you. Say, I didn't write it down. I just wrote... I'll say Nina's line. You say... You give me Jack's okay. line. Okay. Okay. Well, it won't take him long to find Ali, Jack. This isn't how you thought it would end, is it? This isn't over yet. There it is. Boom, fade to black. Mm. Just such a great ending. Just, and like, you can tell Jack's reserved to die. Like, he's he's fine with dying. 
but he knows he's not gonna. <laughs> like that's it, it, it's 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 uh, like I wrote, I wrote this is the grimmest ending I've seen to an episode of TV since Red Wedding. So you know I haven't watched I watched this after Red Wedding. Uh-huh. So but but you left Jack alive. Mm. There's your problem. Well, it's almost like okay, he's resigned himself to the fact that he that she's gonna kill him, but he knows that there is this. 0.1% chance that he's going to get out of this and that is what's keeping him going right now like that he just wants to kill me mm, that sliver of of hope that he's still going to get to just murder the shit out of Nina mm. it's just it's like right there makes me still making thinking about happy. it you know yeah I mean yeah I I think Jack just knows like this isn't how it ends <laughs> even as I'll for whatever, kill me. I'll come back as a vengeful spirit. Mm, that's a good point. I'll, I'll rip your your heart out from your nose. I don't give a shit, Nina. I'm coming back for <laughs> you. I'm getting that. Yeah. Okay. So that's the we cut to hour five or five p.m. Faded black, and so I think this was a oddly slow and very like action packed episode. So obviously at CTU, George Mason is sort of losing his uh, losing the reins a little bit. People know that he is now. Uh, radiation poisoned. Uh, he's apparently deteriorating quite quickly. Um, we have some new new suspects in the in the Warner Mole Collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Jack is in dire straits. Kim is heading back towards L.A. in a nuclear bomb. Um, so, Curtis, how you, how you feeling about our our five p.m.? What are you thinking? Well, it, it's it's the fact that I already know that there's several more seasons of 24 means I know Jack's going to be okay. Um, and I also mm-hmm. am confined to the fact that Kim's going to be fine. And that just makes me sad. Um, so, but uh, I think Miguel's going to die, which is great. Um, I feel like... Or he'll just I, round cow kiss his way out of trouble. I feel like the producers don't love me enough to kill either of the Warners. Um, and that's all right, I no it's not it's not okay just murder both of them um but i'm i'm intrigued to see what happens next episode um the tables will turn on someone and uh it should be a fun a fun time so bring it on yeah curtis i will say the little i remember of this episode or this season rather you're gonna you're gonna hate when it goes on with the warner family yeah yeah you're not that's um, that's great news it's i um yeah I, i if they all died I wouldn't care. Mm. Just. I mean, I'd be, I'd prefer it. Um, all right, folks. Well, I think that that was a nice little. We got back in the groove. We're back in the saddle. How's it feel? Feels, feels weird. Yeah, and and yeah. good at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, well, we did the dang thing. So, um, everyone, thanks for joining us. If you like this show, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, you can also find out more information about our sister show, Trends in Low Places, which. Uh, Usually Michael and I do on a weekly basis, just talking about dumb internet stories. But uh, lately, our our good buddy, nope, Mm-mm. Curtis Perry, Mm-mm. been joining us. <laughs> it never happened. Chat <laughs> no, about things. No, no chat about things and stuff. And since a, it was a while ago, maybe a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, never joined the show. Yeah. Some, yeah. Well, you know, maybe somebody, well, maybe, maybe maybe a phantom came on. Uh, but not not this guy. It was nope. It was no Purdy chance. Purdy Karras. Came on and uh, took the drunk train to, all the way down to, to Fort Collins. That guy. That guy. Yeah, yeah, man. Fucking degenerate. You know? Come on down Real. to Drunken Town. 
<laughs> but voice of an angel, dulcet tones, uh, some pretty strong opinions about things mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you like this show, you, you'll almost certainly like that one. It's just us talking about dumb internet stories. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we like to talk about dumb shit mm. and like to hear from our fans. This week, so this week got, got Randy. This week got a little sexual. <laughs> um, but if you want to send a message to us about this show, uh, Longest Days of Our Lives, or Trends in Low Places, you can hit us up at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We read every message we get. Uh, we love to talk to our fans. And if you just want to share your thoughts on how much you hate Marie and or Kate Warner, we'll read that on yeah. air. I don't give a shit. I'll read everything. Tell us your thoughts. Um, so Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, guys, if you want to help us out, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, either this one or the old friends of the low places on your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, however you get your weekly or monthly podcasts down to your face holes, <laughs> um, download those, uh, download those for us. And when you do that, please rate and subscribe us on those tools as well. Um, that helps us to grow and get a larger audience and to move the rankings and then become a podcast juggernaut. Uh, I'm the juggernaut, yeah, bitch. So do that for us. But, uh, Mikey, how can the folks help us out on the old social medias? Yeah, you can find us on uh, Twitter at uh, LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast. Uh, you can also search for us at Longest Days of Our Lives on Facebook. And uh, you can also find us at LDuelCast on uh Oh, wait, no, not on Instagram. Are we on Instagram? I don't know. But we got no gram. Tilt's on the gram. Tilt's on the gram. Yeah, so when you when you see us, if if you could please give us a like, a follow. Um, and when you see us post about the new show, uh, please give us a retweet, give us a, a comment, a like. Uh, you know, that's the best way for you to let your friends know that we're awesome. Um, and they should listen to us as well. Yeah. Well, uh, gentlemen, it's been lovely talking with you, but I hate to tell you, we are running out of time. Toodles. Ha <laughs> ha.